And uh, it'll be nice to not have to stitch bits of Dan back together at the end of a podcast. That'd be good. Hopefully. That would be nice, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Quite like Dan as, you know, in, in one person. <laughs> <laughs> Peter is the Igor in the lab. <laughs> Pod lab. Thank you. Dan, if your head got chopped off and your body was destroyed, like it was run over by a tractor. Mm-hmm. So you had to have your head stitched onto another person's body. <laughs> but you could have any body of your choice. Who would you go for? <laughs> He's thinking about it. I am thinking about it. Because you've got to like make a decision that allows you to like leave the house. Because if you choose a body that you just want to touch all the time, you'd never get anything done. I do have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> a good, healthy body, but one that you don't have to work out for five hours a day to maintain. Mm. A robot body. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a Hemsworth or anything. But if it's got shoulders that don't click, I'll be fine. So, Andy, if, if you come home one day... <laughs> And there'd been a terrible accident and Hazel's head was stitched onto Chris Hensworth's body. Would you be happy with that? <laughs> Not especially. And I would assume that it hadn't been an accident and that it was some strange... <laughs> Follow-up question. Would you rather make love to Hazel with Chris Hensworth's body or Hazel's body with Chris Hensworth's head? <laughs> <laughs> um... Nah, you're all right. (laughs) (laughs) But what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Fascinating. Get away from her, you bitch! I'm Batman. Oh, do not. There is no tomorrow. Welcome to the Nerdfest podcast. On our show today, we've got Dan Watkins, Andy Chandler, Peter Johnson, John Farben, and I'm Hazel Burton. On our show today, we have got our film buff or film bluff quiz, which is when we try to outwit each other with true and made-up facts about the entertainment industry. And Andy has got a higher or lower quiz for us. So let's start our show. Is everyone enjoying Sci-Fi Fridays at the moment? Yes. Because we're getting this huge dump of both The Mandalorian and Discovery on the same day, which is really good. It gets me through the work week knowing that there's a new episode of Mandalorian at the end of it. Mm -hmm. And without spoiling anything, it's been very good. Yes. I find it difficult because really by the time we've had our tea and done our various shenanigans, there's only time to (laughs) watch either... No details, please, John. (laughs) There's only time to watch either Mando or Disco. So do you have a choice every week? It's whichever one we think is most likely to get spoiled. I got spoilt by Google News yesterday who sent me a news alert about something that happens in The Mandalorian, which, oh, A, isn't news, and B, why would you do that? Yes. Have they faced backlash about that? They have from me. <laughs> <laughs> it's an odd thing, Mandalorian spoilers, because we officially didn't get the first season until six months after America got it. Lots of the things that would have been spoilers, like the existence of Baby Yoda, we already knew about well before any of the episodes officially aired. We get it same day now, but it's still not right. Mm -hmm. Luckily for this particular episode that John refers to, I saw a tweet earlier that morning saying, if you haven't seen The Mandalorian yet, stay off Twitter and social networks today because you will get spoiled. Mm -hmm. It's healthy advice for us all anyway, really. Yes. (laughs) You can't do much about an alert being forced upon you by Google, though, can you? You turn your alerts off. It ruins football for me, the alert thing, because I have an app that, when I'm out and about, tells me if Leeds United have scored a goal. But that would never go off, (laughs) No one knows if it works. (laughs) It very rarely goes off. But because of satellite TV delay, I get a notification as to when a goal has been scored about 30 seconds before it actually happens on my TV. I mean, I could just turn the app off, but... Could you imagine if they did that for regular television programmes... Uh, like you were watching Mandalorian and you get an alert saying, Mando just shot an important character yeah. and then you see, it. Ha- oh, everything would be really spoiled. I wouldn't like that. <laughs> I had to do that for uh, Great British Bake Off because I was watching it on uh, the All4 app, um, which is a few seconds behind presumably the terrestrial. And we have a very active messenger thread going on on Tuesdays (laughs) Um, and I always have to like put my phone down when they're about to announce who's leaving because yeah I I would know from the message before they revealed it on the program. I've enjoyed our Bake Off messaging thread more than the actual series this year. (laughs) Yeah Yeah, something happens to you Dan (laughs) during Bake Off you turn into some sort of 
evil person. <laughs> hey, if you eliminate Lottie from the competition, <laughs> the you deserve everything out. you get. Yeah. <laughs> How are you finding the new revamped Discovery? I'm loving it. It's yeah. it's gone back to it feels like next generation Star Trek almost. It feels much trickier than the previous two. Yeah. I'm liking Michael Burnham being less of a whinger bag, is that a term? Yeah, she's not nearly such a miserable, hateful character as she was in the yeah. first two series. The only thing I would say, because they're packing so much in, it does feel like there's almost too much happening too fast, and like characters mm. don't get any time to react to anything, or you don't see the aftermath of a thing. They're just cracking on the next thing in the next episode every time. I think that's quite good. But there's something at the start of the season that says we need to find this thing. And then they find it two episodes later, and like yeah. previously, you would have imagined it would have been dragged out for a whole season. Yes. But I, I, I like it. I like that it's rollicking through it. Uh, this week, we've got a good old philosophical debate. The kind of things you would get in like old Star Trek, where they'd sit in a room and argue things. Data on trial. Yeah. yeah. This week's very much reminded me of the data on trial episode in a, in a good way. Well, I've also been enjoying some good sci-fi series on streaming uh, since the BBC added Battlestar Galactica to iPlayer. I've been working my way through that, and I'm still getting through Star Trek The Next Generation before I can ever touch Discovery. And uh, this week I've reached a very good episode that has led me to count how many lights are in each room whenever I walk in. How many lights <laughs> there are there? There are four down? lights. No, there are five lights. How many lights are there? I won't shout into the microphone, but there are four lights. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good episode. You're into peak next generation now, there's... From episode series three to six, probably, I would say it's probably some of the best sci-fi television ever made. I thought for a moment you were saying between this episode and that episode, one particular <laughs> series was when it was really peak, which would be ludicrous. Just one good episode yes. in the sea of shite. <laughs> uh, Louise isn't here this week because she's downstairs watching Last Christmas. Ah, oh, the Emilia Clarke, yeah. um, Henry Golding film. Mm -hmm. Did she not already see that? She's watched it twice for some reason. She's, oh. She has a brunch film club with Hello Mary and Vicky, who I know listen, where they watch seemingly terrible films every week, from what I can tell. <laughs> Spoiler for Last Christmas, I've renamed it Shite Club. <laughs> I'm not sure you might be the best person to judge on terrible films. But... <laughs> At least my terrible films have Nicolas Cage exploding in them. John does have serious, serious experience in this area. Talks about Battlestar Galactica. Um, Starbuck turned up in Mandalorian last week. And Mando actually looks like an old school Cylon. So it was almost like a Battlestar Galactica reunion episode. Yeah. So say we all. Um, Hazel, did you have a nice birthday last week? Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> We're recording this the day before. So... Um... I had a, a lovely birthday, thank you, and I what got presents did you get? nice vague presents. <laughs> <laughs> no name specific presents, and then Andy has to get them in the next twelve hours. I got I got a Hamilton, I got a West Wing. <laughs> I, <laughs> you got a new MacBook and an Apple Watch, didn't you? Um, right. A nice uh, solid gold necklace, and I recall you saying you were getting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You look pale, Andy. You look a bit pale and sweaty. <laughs> Let me write this down. I haven't got anything yet. I was hoping to get some ideas. <laughs> Solid gold Hamilton. What was the other thing? <laughs> Just a Hamilton. Not not Christine or <laughs> um, the other one. Yeah. <laughs> Lewis. Yeah. George. So to uh, get you out of this uncomfortable situation, I gather you've got a quiz of some sort for us, Andy. I have, yes. Um, it's nice that I can contribute because I've not been watching Mandalorian or uh, Star Trek Discovery because I don't think either of them are very good. <laughs> and now that I've had the, the last word on that, the definitive word. <laughs> you're wrong, but okay. Unless anyone would like to try and sell it to me and, and Hazel because you're not watching either of them either, are you? I don't really like sci-fi. <laughs> well then. <laughs> We're just sulking now. Yeah. We know that you're beyond redemption now, so there's no point trying. Although I will admit that the, the little green gremlin thing is a very cute puppet. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Excellent, right. Quiz. It's not really a quiz, it's just a higher or lower guessing game. And this is about movie body counts. And uh, I was inspired by the website moviebodycounts.com. A lot of thought has gone into this. I'm just going to... Um, give you a bunch of action films and you have to uh, guess whether the body count from that film is higher or lower than the preceding film. Okay. So we discuss amongst ourselves, try and come up with a consensus. 
Yes, you are a team. This way, there's no individual winner. You're all winners, and I don't have to get anyone a prize. I'll have a gold Hamilton, please. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the first film is Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Uh, This is our starting point. According to moviebodycounts.com, 23 on-screen deaths. That's quite low, isn't it? Because he's not allowed to kill them. Yeah. John Connor tells him not to. So he, he instead just maims them brutally for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Which to me seemed worse. I remember thinking that in the cinema. I've always wanted to make a film where the first half is like an action film. So like you make Die Hard and you're like, they're going through the city causing chaos and carnage. And at one point there's a car chase between the villain and Bruce Willis or whatever. And Bruce Willis is that thing where they go around the corner, they just slam into a car going in the opposite direction and then carry on driving and shooting each other. You never see that car again. In my version at that point, Bruce Willis drives off. Someone staggers out of the car and the rest of the film is just like nine years of painful rehab and like his wife leaves him because he can't cope with the pain and it's, will ever be able to walk again and he loses his job and falls down a social services wormhole. I can't imagine why no one would give you hundreds of millions no. of dollars to make that movie. It could be like a co-directing thing. So like Michael Bay can do the first half and Michael Figgis can do the second half. <laughs> 23 deaths. Okay, continue. Yes. Terminator 2, 23 on-screen deaths. And John, you mentioned it. Die Hard, higher or lower? Mm. Mm. There's fourteen ter- or 13 or 14 terrorists. Mm. They don't all die. And they kill a couple of A couple the- of FBI agents. I'm going to say lower, I think. I'm going to go higher. I think it's close, but... Yeah. I would go lower. Because um, at one point, someone turns around and says, we're going to need some more FBI guys. Was it just the two of them who died in the helicopter, maybe? Well, we're only counting on-screen deaths. Yeah. So we, ha- we have to presumably see them die I think in we the did. Film. I think we did. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to see the light go out of their eyes, but it, mm. the event that mm. kills them has to happen on screen. It can't just be mentioned that, oh, and by the way, those FBI guys from the first act, they died. There's a security guard died, and I think maybe around half of the terrorists. I would, I'm going to go lower, I think. I'll say lower. You are correct, apart from Peter, who said higher. <laughs> uh, Die Hard had 20, 20 deaths. Mm. And next we have Face Slash Off. Face Off. Starring John Travolta and some other people. (laughs) Now, there's a lot of shootouts and stuff, isn't there? Yeah. The thing with this quiz is it's it's, it's kind of flawed in that... (laughs) Blame the quiz. Shall we stop? Not not the quiz is flawed, but like there's the massive prison fight and we're not entirely sure whether any of those people are dead or just unconscious. But we're going by the counts on moviebodycounts.com rather than Andy having watched all these films and tallied them up mm. they do have very specific criteria for what constitutes uh, uh, one of their, one of their deaths. deaths that they've counted and i neglected to actually look at that so i can't really shed any light uh, good luck <laughs> <laughs> i think there's more yeah more than 20 yeah it is john woo i think just the number of shootouts with all yeah. the police officers yeah more than 20 yeah yeah uh yep you're correct 56 from face off right and then, moving swiftly on to Kill Bill Volume 1. Ooh, oh, there's a crazy 88. There's yeah. not actually 88 of them, though, but apparently it makes it sound cool. I think less, because other than a couple of action sequences, it's a quite a surprisingly action-free film. But 56? 56. 56 is a lot. I think she sort of beats them up or disables them, but I'm not sure she kills them mm. in a lot of cases. Or oh, she kills a lot with her samurai sword. And she's only got to kill just over half of the 88, if there were, in fact, 88 of them. Plus um, the driver of the pussy wagon, the (laughs) awful hospital worker. Yeah. I've forgotten her name now, but the the one who's become a mum and she's... um, Oh, the one in the beginning, yeah. Yeah, I think it's Vivica A. Fox's character. I think it's very similar, but I'm tempted to go higher. I'm going lower. I'd go lower. Hazel has not been wrong yet. I'm going (laughs) higher as well. Hazel is always right. 95. Oh, wow. <laughs> and from Kill Bill Volume 1, 95 kills, to Kill Bill Volume 2. Oh, I watched both of these last, last weekend, but I wasn't counting. I think there'll be less. Yeah, I would go lower. Is that a consensus? That is a consensus. Uh, yeah, lower. Three. Yeah. <laughs> really? Wow. Three, wow. But moving on from Kill Bill Volume 2 with uh, a body count of three, Zoolander. All his male model friends get exploded Ooh. near the start, don't they? 
and there's definitely more than three of them. Haven't seen this one. I've never seen it either. David Bowie looks like he's dead inside during his cameo. (laughs) (laughs) Mugatu, played by Will Ferrell, is pretty evil, and I think more than three people die as a result of his actions in that film. I will go higher. Okay. Higher. Higher. It's four, apparently. Um, I believe there were um, three male models died uh, in their playful uh, petroleum explosion accident. And then also there's a flashback where um, a model assassinates Lincoln. What a film. Do you just say there's a flashback where a model assassinates Lincoln? Yes, that's right. Okay. And we just all nodded quietly (laughs) as if it was perfectly normal. As happened in real life. Mm -hmm. So moving on from Zoolander with four, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Orcs counters people. Mm. Orcs are people too. Got to be much higher then, hasn't it? Much higher, yeah. Just in the prologue, you've got Sauron wiping elves and men out, willy and indeed nilly. (laughs) Got all the Uruk-hai, the the final scenes. A fair few in Moria as well. Yeah. Got the troll. So yes, then. Yes. That counts as one, (laughs) as I would say. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, 118, apparently. Really? I thought that would be higher, going by the, the scope of the battle scenes and stuff in it. The Two Towers uh, ends up in the 400s, and uh, Return of the King is 836 mm. or something like that. Um, <laughs> so Fellowship is, is the, the cute and fuzzy family-friendly yeah. version. <laughs> but moving on from Fellowship of the Ring to combined total of lethal weapons 1, 2, 3, and 4. I've only seen the first one. <gasps> which I think I watched for a shameful gap on this very podcast. You did. There's lots of shootouts throughout. It's one of those films where lots of people shoot guns at each other, but not many people actually die. I would say it's probably less than Lord of the Rings, Mm. which was, what, 118? 118, and we're looking for the combined, the aggregate total of uh, lethal weapons, one to four. Quite a few bad guys get killed, but I think they just tend to focus on Riggs and Murtaugh, and Mm. everyone else is just, uh, will not pan over to them. Oh, there's that uh, Patsy Kensit dies in it, doesn't she, in Lethal Weapon 2? Uh, yes, uh, with her glorious South African accent. Yeah. <laughs> Diplomatic immunity. Sorry, I can't help it. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say lower. Lower. I'm going to say it's in the 20s. I think it's going to be a lot lower. I don't mm. think Lethal Weapon's as bloody as people would imagine it would be from the title. And Dan? Sure. Uh, it's lower, uh, but 106 oh. is the total oh. for uh, the combined total of all four. And then we move on to Blade, Vampires Countless People. Oh, we already planned to watch Blade tonight. Mm-hmm. I shall count. More than 106 just in the first Blade. Have you seen the best use of CGI in Blade 3? Oh, with his eyes. <laughs> Damn it, Wesley, act. No. Oh, mm-hmm. fuck it. Get the CGI in. <laughs> so what, what do they do? Wesley Snipes has been a prima donna on set. Insisting they called him Blade and things on set, wasn't he? Yeah. Dick. But there was one bit where he is lying on a slab in a morgue and comes back to life. And he refused to open his eyes. So they just digitally CGI'd some terrible eyes on him (laughs) in post. (laughs) (laughs) I think there could be more than 106 deaths Mm. in the first Blade. Because vampires are nasty folk and they will kill lots of people if they get the chance. I can't remember this film at all, I'm afraid, but I'm willing to go with higher. Sure. I'm going to go higher. Yep, higher is right. 111. Uh, moving on. Commando. Definitely higher. Film about Arnold Schwarzenegger shooting people. Could I confess I have a shameful gap here? I've never seen Commando. No. Me neither. Well. Shame, John. Mm. Can't say you've missed that much, but... <laughs> I think it may be the only Arnie film I haven't seen. It's very Arnie. It is the Arniest of Arnie films. It definitely is. So you've seen Jingle All The Way? <laughs> yes. But you haven't seen Commander? No. I, I will step back from this one, having not seen the film. Higher. It's probably lower, but it feels a lot higher. So I'm going higher. You should have gone with your first instinct there, Dan. It's it's only a mere 88, ah. but it does feel like a lot more mm. than that. Are they all crazy? <laughs> I bet there's probably more of a record for number of on-screen deaths by a single protagonist, because I imagine all 88 of those were killed by Arnie. It's mostly Arnie, with grenades and uh, circular saw blades, and occasionally he shoots a guy. I don't think I need to watch this film. <laughs> 
I think you have seen the next one, Total Recall. And don't worry, we're nearing the end. Okay, so are these killings that happen in real life or killings that may only have happened in Quaid's imagination? Yes. Once you see on screen is the definition. I think that's quite low, actually. Did they kill loads of the Martians by taking the oxygen out? Or did everyone survive? I think they came close, but I don't think they did in the end. I'm tempted to say lower on that one. I'm going to say lower. Lower. Agreed. Lower is correct. 77. Barely any death at all. (laughs) (laughs) So we move on to our final film, Team America World Police. Puppets (laughs) count as people. (laughs) Of course. More or less death than Total Recall. They do blow up Paris. They do. Yeah. Does that count as people, as in the population of Paris? Does that count? Mm. Well, it was 9-11 times 1,000 or something, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. God. It's got to be higher. Mm. Definitely higher. Definitely. Captain America Civil War tried to make the exact same point about 10 years later. It's all about the carnage that is caused by supposedly heroic acts. So, yeah, higher. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Hazel, could you say that again? Yeah, I did that a bit Yorkshire for some reason. (laughs) Matt Damon. Um, That was, no, that was uh, Belfast. That was Cornish. (laughs) (laughs) That was barely English. um, Yeah, Matt Damon. Yeah, he was in it. Yep, uh, Team America World Police higher than Total Recall, which had 77. Team America had 78 plus one goat. So Paris doesn't count. French people are people too. (laughs) Mimes are people too. (laughs) According to moviebodycounts.com, maybe not. Well, uh, thank you, Andy, for proving that we are all thoroughly desensitised to the notion of death in films. We barely even notice. (laughs) You're incredibly welcome. Was that it? You want some more? (laughs) No, I was just checking whether it was the end of the quiz. Are you just practising forgetting your birthday presents tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) It's the thought that counts. Is that it? Because one more person's going to (laughs) die. And now it's time for our buff or bluff quiz. So we have all got three facts that we are going to bring to everybody. But we have made one of these facts up, so we have have to try and work out which one is the bluff. Dan, would you like to go first? I have got three buffs or bluffs inspired by The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Knew I should start watching it. Which we recently watched and enjoyed very much. Great show. So this is about weird and nerdy chess sets. (laughs) And I myself have got Simpsons chess and Buffy chess but which of these three officially licensed merchandisable chess sets has been made up? Number one, the Hamilton chess set features most of the key characters from the show, with Alexander and Eliza taking the king and queen spots. Actual King George III, however, isn't even on the board. Number two, the Star Trek The Next Generation chess set uses the Enterprise for its pawns, Captain Picard as the king, and Dr. Crusher as the Queen. It is, unfortunately, not tri-dimensional. Surely there should be red shirts, all the pawns. One would think, if somebody (laughs) had thought of that, then that might have come up. Uh, And number three, the Jurassic Park chess set is all dinosaurs. It has a T-Rex. You have a T-Rex. As the king, and the knights are raptors, maybe because they come at you not from the front, but from the side. So there we are. Hamilton chess, Star Trek The Next Generation chess, or Jurassic Park chess? So is is Hamilton, are they both the same cast, but in different colours? Yes, uh, all all three of these are the same characters on both sides of the chess set. Do you know what they should have done? They should have had the black pieces representing the actors of colour that play them in the stage play. And then the white characters could have been like the stodgy real-life representations of the characters in real life. That's what I would have done. There are licensed chess sets where they have different pieces for each side. So mm. in researching this, I came across an Avatar one where it's the Navi against the nasty military types. But I thought the better ones all seem to have the same pieces on both sides, mm. just wet different colours. I can see why, actually, because otherwise there's a disadvantage. The Hamilton one, when someone's about to take the opponent's piece, do do they have to have a duel? I would hope so. (laughs) I think that's probably up to the players. You have to count to nine. Yeah, Mm. but then you've got to be ten spaces away from each other, and I think Mm. the chess set's only eight by eight. Okay. 
The only thing against Hamilton is perhaps the speed. Yeah. Obviously, merchandising, you know, you start with the obvious stuff and then you get to the ridiculous stuff like underpants and things. <laughs> um, yeah. But how long would it take to do that with Hamilton, I wonder? I've, I've, I've searched extensively for Hamilton merchandise and I've never seen it. That's not to say it doesn't exist, but mm. I haven't come across it. I've been looking for various Christmas presents and um, I think if there was a Hamilton chess set, there's a good chance I would have come across that recently. So I'm going to go with Hamilton. Although if it does exist, then maybe someone's getting it for Christmas. Is it me? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to play chess. So. Watch Queen's Gambit. You'll want to learn. I'm sure there was a Star Trek The Next Generation chess set that you would collect via like a monthly or weekly part work where you would get a magazine and each month you mm. would get one piece of the chess set. Yeah, it's typical evil marketing as well, so it'd be entirely useless until you'd bought them all. Yeah, and you add up the amount that you'd spent on it and spent about £10,000 on a chess set that would have cost 20 quid. Mm-hmm. But it's got to be Hamilton, hasn't it? I think so. Yeah, I'm going to go for Hamilton as a bluff. Yeah, and that the no George the Third is just a bit of added detail to try and throw us off the scent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hamel Chess. Is Hamel Chess your unanimous answer? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Much to the uh, sadness of the world, you are all correct. Hey. Hamilton <laughs> Chess does not exist. Yet. I did write down what each piece would be, just in case anyone asked, but sadly it doesn't exist. I even imagined the pieces being their little poses that you get standing on top of the star in the show logo. I like that. I have two problems. Um, the first... No, no, the list is much longer than that. Yes. <laughs> so, so this, I, I imagine with the Jurassic Park set, whilst it's quite a cool thing, would you not spend most of your time trying to remember what dinosaur equated to which piece? I thought, Jurassic Park chess, that's amazing. And then I looked at it and thought, mm, I'm not sure it actually works all that well. Mm-hmm. But if you stuck little hats on the figures, they would look stupid, wouldn't they? <laughs> or they'd look amazing. <laughs> I just th- imagine Dan trying to play with the Jurassic Park figure. He'd be too tempted to just play with them as little little <laughs> characters, wouldn't you? Yes, I would. But that probably applies to Hamilton as well. <laughs> Who wants to go next? I'll go next because this won't take a long time. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> so this is dedicated um, to two of our friends who listen to the podcast. Our friend Jenny, who is the lover of a movie musical. Which musical is she the lover of? Oh, she has, honestly, she's slept with all of them. <laughs> she had a threesome with uh, Blood Brothers. <laughs> Brigadoon. She, she likes to go Brigadoon on anybody that will. <laughs> oh. <laughs> with George on yes, a, in the Sunday, park on a Sunday. Sunday on a park bench with George is. <laughs> <laughs> Brigadoon time, yeah. Um, and our American friend Gary, who listens to us all the way from uh, the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. who yes. requested that we do an episode on movie musicals. And I was like, maybe a little bit out of our wheelhouse, but I thought I could do a bluff about a musical. So this is a buff or bluff about The Wizard of Oz. Okay. okay. So there are three facts about The Wizard of Oz. God. Oh, dear. Two of them are true. And one of them is something I made up in bed this morning with a hangover. Let's see if we can work out which one it is. Sounds like it'd be pretty easy. <laughs> Fact number one. In The Wizard of Oz, there are various scenes where there is snowy fields and people fall asleep in the snow. It was discovered later that the special effects team used asbestos as snow. So you have the small child and the other actors lying down in a big field of good old asbestos. Good old days. Fact number two. The lion's costume is actually made of lion's skin. They got several dead lions and stitched them together to make the lion's costume. Fact number three. The winged monkeys were originally birds. Well, they had to get rid of the birds because the birds wouldn't settle on set because there was a scarecrow. (laughs) (laughs) I think I know which one. (laughs) I think I do too. Well... Let, let's just run through our options. <laughs> just pretend. <laughs> the asbestos, I can, yeah, I can see that. Definitely. Yeah. Th- at that time, what was it, 1939, they had no idea how dangerous asbestos mm-hmm. was. Yeah, it was like a wonder material. Yeah, you used to have it on ice cream. Yeah. 
<laughs> and the production of that film was an absolute cursed nightmare, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd be surprised if there wasn't asbestos yeah. everywhere. I haven't heard the lion costume thing before. There was... I have. Oh, okay. I might be getting it confused with Chewbacca and his yak hair costume, mm. but I remember reading about how stiflingly hot yeah. the actor was under that costume, and I think it was because it was real fur. It was like 100 degrees underneath there. Mm. I know that it went for a startling amount of money on uh, an auction. And what, wasn't it in a bit of a state as well by the time it was auctioned? Yeah. Which is more likely, again, if it had been a real thing and it perhaps decayed over time like cloth wouldn't. Mm-hmm. The evidence is pointing. <laughs> so the winged monkeys were supposed to be birds. That's what yeah. you want us to believe. Mm-hmm. What kind of birds, John? Um, they, they, were, they, they, they were large birds. They were rooks. <laughs> is this because Dan was just talking about chess? <laughs> I can't think of many scenes in The Wizard of Oz where the winged monkeys and the scarecrow are in the same scene. It was more. It was more on the set, like when they were trying to film it. Uh-huh. The animal wranglers had trouble. John, John, <laughs> yeah. do, do you know why scarecrows work? Why do scarecrows work? <laughs> Not because they are some sort of terrifying symbolic talisman that repels birds. It's because they look like people, <laughs> and the birds are afraid of going into the fields where there's a person. <laughs> and there's generally quite a few people on a movie set. Mm. Oh, John, if you only had a brain. <laughs> oh, nice. It's a very, very amusing lie, though. Yes. Would you care to reveal the mystery of which one is the right one? Well, you are all wrong. No, we're no, not. You're not. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you are all entirely correct. It just made me giggle this morning and I couldn't resist it. It made us giggle, too. Okay, so um, having recently learnt that Wrexham AFC is now under the new part ownership of one Mr. Ryan Reynolds, and also learning that he was a pretty handy footballer in Canada, I decided to investigate and see whether he had any other hidden talents or strange facts about him. So these are three facts about Ryan Reynolds. Number one. So he's known for being an entrepreneur. He has his own gin brand, Aviator, and he has his own mobile network, Mint Mobile. He also has a snow globe business. It's called WWW Snow Globes. The WWW stands for Wade Winston Wilson, his character from Deadpool. Um, And he designed the first couple of snow globes, one of which showed Deadpool getting stuck in a chimney, another showing Deadpool getting eaten by a polar bear. Um, and the snow globes aren't all Deadpool themed, but they're all very unique and designed for people with a very quirky sense of humour. And you can find them on Etsy. Number two, he said he has never taken acting classes, but he knew that he could do it based on the skill with which he lied to his parents on a regular basis. And number three, as part of his Deadpool 2 promotional tour, he surprised unknowing fans during an episode of Korea's King of Masked Songs, which is essentially Korea's version of The Masked Singer. He dressed as a unicorn and performed Annie's classic hit, Tomorrow. Hmm. I know one of these to be true. I won't say which one. Probably the one I believe most is the second one. I thought the Masked Singer one was quite believable because Hollywood actors do do stranger things on international TV appearances than they would ever do in America. Deadpool likes unicorns, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. Too much Mm -hmm. in some instances. Yeah. Ah, that's a good point. That one did seem like the most ludicrous, but I think there is a Deadpool liking unicorns thing. If anyone was going to do that, Ryan Reynolds is a strong candidate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've, you've swayed me there. The one I wasn't sure about was the first one, but maybe two reasons. One was Etsy. If he was going to do it, he'd do it bigger scale, especially compared to having your own mobile network. And also to do with the rights to the character, which he doesn't own and control necessarily. Now, it's not to say he couldn't license them, but... Mm. That could be why he has them on Etsy, because he's not allowed to sell them. And he's got to keep it on the down low. Anybody who has seen Etsy knows that copyright does apparently not exist there. Yeah. <laughs> and Redbubble and <laughs> many other places. Well, he spent 11 years trying to get it to the screen, very heavily involved re- in the producing and the marketing side of things. And Fox and Disney both 
notoriously lenient on uh, <laughs> allowing their trademarked characters to be used by others. Yeah, they, they don't mind. They, they see it as flattery, really, don't they? Yeah. It's a compliment. <laughs> Fact number two was that he never had any formal acting training yeah. and knew he could do it because he was a liar. Yes. Sounds exactly like what he'd say. Wasn't he a child actor, though? Wasn't he on the Canadian equivalent of the Mickey Mouse Club? Are you not thinking that was of Ryan, Ryan Gosling? Gosling. Yeah. The earliest thing I know of Ryan Reynolds being in was... Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> that sitcom, Two Guys, A Girl in a Pizza Place. With um, Nathan Fillion. Oh. All right. What? Yeah. Also Canadian. Yes. Did I just make that up? Nope. Every decent American actor is actually Canadian when you look carefully <laughs> enough. Yeah, so he's never had any formal acting training. He just went on set and wait, went, wahey. Wahey, indeed. <laughs> That's really all it is. <laughs> I'm saying snow globes. I'm saying lying to parents just because I want a Deadpool snow globe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, snow globe. Yeah, I'm going to go snow globes as well. Although, if if they're real, Hazel, would you like a snow globe for Christmas? Um, I would, but you'd have to make it, I'm afraid, because they don't exist. Oh, <laughs> hey, yay. sorry. Oh. <laughs> yes, the bluff is number one. WWW snow globes. Yeah, but if anyone hasn't seen Ryan Reynolds' performance on The Masked Singer or Korea's version of that, they they should. It's actually he's got a lovely voice. Mm. It is massive over there, isn't it? It's like a yeah. cultural phenomenon. Phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, what's yours? I have three facts about the X-Men, and this is all to do with the movies. Number one. To place it in the X-Men universe, Jennifer Lawrence did a cameo as Mystique for the first Deadpool movie, but the idea was dropped when they managed to persuade Hugh Jackman to cameo instead, which is who they'd really wanted in the first place. Number two, we get used to seeing comics creator Stan Lee pop up in Marvel movies, and he turns up as a hot dog vendor in the first X-Men movie. But the man in charge of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Kevin Feige, also filmed a cameo and appears in it. Number three, although they're wholly separate franchises and from different studios, a scene from X-Men Days of Future Past appears in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Could I have number one again, please? Jennifer Lawrence did a cameo as Mystique for the first Deadpool movie, but the idea was dropped when they managed to get Hugh Jackman to do it. She did a voice and motion capture performance, and they were going to kind of CGI her because she had such problems with the, uh, the blue makeup for, um, I think, Days of the Future Past was the previous one. The CGI wasn't working great, and they managed to persuade Hugh Jackman to do it instead. Is Hugh Jackman in the first Deadpool movie? I was just about to say... I thought he was just a magazine cover in the opening credits. It's just Deadpool 2 that he's in. That's all I could think of. Uh, he tells him to fuck off at the bar? No, that, that's, oh, that's, uh, that's X-Men that's First X-Men Class. That's X-Men First Class, not Deadpool. Is this... <laughs> right, Which okay. does have Jennifer Lawrence in it, but as a main character. Are we unravelling your bluff? Oh, maybe I've got the wrong movie. Watch, watch Peter's uh, lies fall around his feet <laughs> as he desperately tries to regain yeah. some semblance of control over the podcast. Because the cameo is in Deadpool 2 where Ryan Reynolds does like the whole time machine sequence oh, thing. Maybe, maybe they just dropped it then. That's footage from um, Wolverine's uh, Origins, Origins, yes. Origins, Wolverine. it? Yeah. Is it? Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. Interesting. I know she did the mocap thing because um, it's on the Blu-ray release in the US or oh, is it yeah. she was in first class but a main character mm. but the question is whether she filmed something for Deadpool that wasn't used yes which is not true because they didn't need to <laughs> well not to replace Hugh Jackman yeah. but she might have filmed it anyway it's kind of a running joke not to place it in that universe though like Deadpool's always making jokes around how it's only like two characters opening the door yeah, but they, they had all the X-Men in the second one, didn't they? Yeah, he opens the door at the X-Mansion and they're all there having a chat and they look weirdly at it. Yeah, but they couldn't afford any of that in the first movie. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. very much doubt they they wanted to have... Um, I'm going to Jennifer Love Hewitt, what's her name? Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence. 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 There we go. <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt, they could have afforded. Mm. <laughs> Just painted blue and hope nobody noticed. Bluff everywhere. So do you want to ask me about uh, the other two? No, nope. not really, no, but we'll, 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 we'll do for... <laughs> um, A scene from Days of Future Past turning up in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yes. I have seen The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. I remember that, but I can't remember anything about the film. 
So it could well have included a Days of Future Past scene. It does, but it's not within the film itself. It's a mid credit scene. They just randomly had a scene from the upcoming X-Men film as the post credit scene in Amazing Spider-Man 2. I think we'd left the cinema disappointed by that stage in the credits. <laughs> and what was the other one? Uh, it was Kevin Feige. Okay. He has a cameo in X-Men. What is his connection? Why would he have had a cameo in X-Men? I think he was still a producer before yeah. that. He still worked for mm. Marvel. But at that point, he wouldn't have had any link to Marvel, would he? When, was, when did Kevin Feige, Feige. 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 join Marvel? Is it, I, I think he was associated with Marvel for a long time, but he wasn't at the head of it until mm-hmm. after yeah. Iron Man came out. Because Avi Arad was there and he got kicked out and Feige took over. But I'm sure he was around... But was he a big enough Marvel name to have a cameo in X-Men, which is nearly 10 years before the MCU started? Peter Jackson put loads of the crew into Lord of the Rings from like the key grip to the uh, cinematographer. Uh, you don't necessarily have to be a name. It's just like, a, oh, you're on set. Do you fancy playing this dude? Would you like to know what the cameo was? Yes, yes please. please. Was it a scarecrow? <laughs> <laughs> he played a tech guy pulling Wolverine's claws out of the oven. Every inch of him was covered with a hood, mask, and gloves. Hmm. I, I don't remember that. I bit. haven't seen X-Men in a long, long time. I why would Wolverine's claws be in the oven? Because the part of him is claws are heat sensitive. So he was seeing whether the roast was done. <laughs> it's like a meat thermometer. I reckon all three are bluffs. Yep. Agreed. <laughs> I reckon that the Jennifer Lawrence thing, I think, albeit his poor little brain's got a bit confused <laughs> thank you for that patronizing comment i think jennifer lawrence might have been the sort of person that would do that uh, oh but the fact that it was dropped from hugh jackman doesn't make sense if he wasn't in the film yeah i still kind of think that might be true but it's just got a, a bit mangled in the telling <laughs> um i can't see why kevin fiji would be in x-men so i'm gonna go for that as the bluff we call him the notorious VIG from now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jennifer Lawrence for me. Jennifer Lawrence for me too, but you know. It's... <laughs> Dan? I will wager a Magneto and Professor X special edition chess set on Jennifer Lawrence being the bluff. You are correct. It is Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> and I wished I'd researched it better now because <laughs> I spent so much time trying to get a plausible reason for them swapping that I didn't check the most obvious detail because I thought I knew it. Uh, never mind. Um, yes, you're right, John, that a scene from X-Men Days of Future Past basically appears in the mid credit sequence. And the reason is the director, Mark Webb, held up a movie for Fox so he could shoot X-Men. And in return, they got that scene added in the cinema to promote the X-Men movie. Andy, what's yours? Well, Hollywood loves selling its films to the US patriotic good old boy market by sticking the word American at the beginning of movie titles. To illustrate this point, there's American Psycho, American Beauty, American Graffiti, American Honey, American Hustle, American Ultra, American Maid, American Pie, American History X, an American Tale, an American Haunting, an American in Paris, an American Werewolf in Paris, American Sniper, American Ninja, American Gangster, American Gigolo, and the American President, and lots and lots more. Um, American Pie. Well, there's that as well. Um, here are three more American something movies, but only two of them are real. Uh, so number one is An American Christmas Carol from 1979. So Charles Dickens rolls in his grave as his seasonal classic is relocated to Concord, New Hampshire during the Great Depression. The Scrooge character is renamed Benedict Slade and he's played by Henry Winkler. <laughs> hey. Number two, American Gladiator, 2002. A cowboy in the Old West accidentally falls through a time ripple and finds himself <laughs> in ancient Rome. Sold. <laughs> I'm convinced. Oh, fuck off, this isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> he is swiftly captured and must fight for freedom as a gladiator where he becomes a champion through smarts, superior firepower, and the American way. <laughs> so he has a gun. <laughs> of course he does, he's a cowboy. <laughs> and number three, if you need it, um, American <laughs> Angels, Baptism of Blood from 1989. Luscious Lisa is a go-go dancer who dreams of becoming a pro wrestler, just like her grandfather, Killer Kane. She joins a female wrestling organization called American Angels in order to follow in his footsteps. But is this such a good idea when he retired from the ring after killing an opponent with his deadly maneuver, the snap? 
Dan, you must have seen that one. Okay, well, number three sounds like something you wrote at 14. <laughs> Luscious Lisa the Go-Go dancer and, and her granddad's a wrestler and she wants to be a wrestler and they have a big fight and he has a star. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. No argument here. I want that to be real so badly. But it could be like one of those asylum things. Yeah. And it could also be like someone's read a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court and thought, I'll mm-hmm. do that but with gladiators because they're popular at the minute. Mm. Coming hot off the heels of Whoopi Goldberg's A Night in Camelot, where Whoopi Goldberg travels back in time to King Arthur's court. Oh, dear. Didn't Martin Lawrence do that film as well? He did. It was called Black Knight. Yeah. But this has exactly the same concept as the Whoopi Goldberg one. Yeah, Whoopi Goldberg was in Northumberland filming that. I haven't watched it, but I do have the DVD. Um, (laughs) And I would have, if I'd known about it, the DVD of American Gladiator, because that sounds... Mm -hmm. Good. And remember, we did get Cowboys versus Aliens, which was a big budget thing. Did. Cowboys versus Gladiators could easily, in the wake of Ridley Scott's Gladiator, have been an actual thing somebody did. Oh, none of these were big budget, by the way. Okay. Yeah, Western stuck with another genre is, is, a, is a big thing. So there was Valley mm. of the Guangi, which was Western Godzilla. Dinosaurs. Western dinosaurs. There's a vampire Western sundown, the Vampire in Retreat. I've seen that. I quite yeah. enjoyed that. So it, that seems to be a common American thing. It's still not real, though, is that? What year did American Gladiator supposedly come out? 2002. Gladiator was 2000, so mm. that adds up. Mm-hmm. Concord, New Hampshire, as the setting for an American Christmas carol. That's oddly specific to the home state of President Josiah Bartlett, isn't it, Andy? <laughs> I, it's a wonderful coincidence. Mm. Also, Henry Winkler's a bit too nice to be the Fonz. Not so Henry Winkler is a bit too nice <laughs> to be Scrooge. He's a twinkly little bundle of love. Are you saying he has limited acting range? I'm just saying I don't believe the Fonz wouldn't give a kid a turkey. <laughs> Euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> the Fonz was a bit weird, wasn't he? Like he was clearly 15 years older than all the kids he was hanging around with in a in a diner. Um, my son just watched Greece recently. He said. Why are all the kids so old? (laughs) Which is a good point, really. Now, I think American Christmas Carol could be real just because if Andy had made it up, I think he would have kept Mm -hmm. Scrooge's name as Scrooge rather than change it to, what was it, Andy? Benedict Slade. He sounds more likely to be a wrestler than Luscious Lisa or Killer Mm -hmm. Kane. Anyway, I think much as I would like it to be true... American Gladiator is probably not a real thing. Yeah, I'm going with that too. Yeah, me too. John, what would you like to be true? Oh, I'll, <laughs> I'd be very, very upset if Luscious Lisa isn't a real go-go dancer. I'm going to go for American Gladiators. You are all correct. American <laughs> Gladiator is a lie. We've got Andy's right. Oh, we're getting good at this buffer bluff. Then we're going to have to shake up the format. John was the only one who got mine wrong. So John is the loser. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Dig into your own sack of fun tonight. <laughs> I'd watch Commando before you seek that one out, Yes, John. You know me. You know which one I'm likely to watch first. I do, unfortunately. <laughs> it's the wrestling one, isn't it? Oh, I'm, I'm finding that as we speak. <laughs> See, good year for wrestling films 1989 with that and No Holds Barred. <laughs> Infamously, Hulk Hogan's big screen peak. No, no, Suburban Commander. I don't know. Thunder in Paradise on TV was pretty good. So there's some alternate meaning of the word peak. <laughs> yes. Mr. Nanny. Oh, mm. he didn't do well with films, Hogan, did he? No. no. Rocky Three. Mr. Nanny has Mark Calloway specifically not credited as The Undertaker because they didn't want to have to pay WWE 10%. And yet he was okay to appear on Live and Kicking on a Saturday morning on the BBC fighting Anton Deck in a bouncy castle, <laughs> which I saw a video of recently. That's <laughs> a very specific memory to have. <laughs> uh, almost as funny as Razor Ramon taking on Mr. Blobby. Oh, yes. Yeah, Blobby does not come out of it well. For those listening in countries who are not familiar with Mr. Blobby... You're very lucky. You can never explain Mr. Blobby. Yeah, Google it. Yeah, Google it, find an image, and then just judge our country. You know know how my mum makes amazing birthday cakes and does one in the style of a... Yes, what was this year's one from last week? Well, no, sadly, we're not having one this year because I'm not allowed to visit, unfortunately. But um, She could make one and then... Video herself eating it. Post it. <laughs> yeah. Post it in an envelope, slice by slice. <laughs> and install them, slide that chest set. <laughs> but she's pretty legendary. Um, she's made Game of Thrones. 
she's made the office from Parks and Rec. They're amazing. Yes, that was amazing. But for my eighth birthday, um, it was Mr. Blobby uh, in the shape of an eight. So she kind of cut two holes in the middle of it. <laughs> she disemboweled Mr. Blobby for the sake of your she birthday. Did. Wow. She did. Have you seen the abandoned Mr. Blobby theme park? Yes. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. How long was it open for? Not that long, a couple of years, and then the company went under, and it's just abandoned. So if you haven't seen this, look it up on the internet. There's just like a moss-covered crinkly bottom with lots of buildings and Mr. Blobbies and stuff, and it's been used for like illegal days in the interim, so there's like graffiti sprayed all over the place and popper pills and everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like the... Uh... <laughs> The dystopian post-apocalyptic version of Blobby yes. for the gritty reboot they'll inevitably mm-hmm. do. <laughs> we should add for context as well, Crinkly Bottom is the name of the house uh, <laughs> from Noel Edmonds' house party. They used to do something called Noel Edmonds' garden party, which my parents took me to. I think I was probably younger than eight. I was probably about five or six. And they bought me a T-shirt that said, I've seen Noel's Crinkly Bottom. And I would be <laughs> walking around like a five-year-old in this T-shirt. Which is it was just, a different time, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> It was, so it, was, it was Lincolnshire. It's just <laughs> weird. <laughs> I, I thought you were about to lead us into a story of you actually meeting Mr. Blobby. Oh, I did. I, sorry, yes. I, that, that's my second story that I, that I did actually meet him as well. What's he like? Is he taller than he, he appears on TV? <laughs> yeah, he's probably about eight foot. Mm-hmm. Very racist. <laughs> <laughs> Still less annoying than Noel Edmonds. Uh, Peter, I think you know what to do to the Martian this episode. <laughs> oh god. And that is all we've got time for for today's episode of Nerdfest. Thank you so much for listening. Uh you can check us out on social media. We're at Nerdfest UK on Twitter and Facebook. We're also on Podchaser. So if you could head over to Podchaser and leave us a lovely five-star review, that would be amazing. And if you do that, John has an amazing reward for you. Take it away, John. Yeah, well, I'm going to come down to your house and you're going to invite me in maybe because you fancy a bit of a change. And I'm going to spend the next four years shitting all over the furniture. And then when you have a family vote and finally decide you want me to leave, I'm going to refuse. <laughs> Behind a tiny desk. <laughs> oh, okay, I get it now. I was like, what? <laughs> I thought he was talking about his dog for a while. Hashtag satire. <laughs> We will be back in two weeks' time. Until then, you've been listening to... A man who would buy a Hamilton chess set if you're listening, Mr. Miranda. American Andy. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Ah, Peter. (laughs) A man who doesn't understand how scarecrows work. (laughs) (laughs) Or birds. (laughs) And a woman with the head of Hazel Burton and the body of Chris Hemsworth. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 I'm going to press stop. Let's hope it doesn't all disappear. Don't say that.